everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Rallon's Rant. Today, my guest is Ryan Sands, who is a South African ultramarathon athlete. In 2010, most noticeably, he became the first competitor to have won all four of the four deserts race. Now, rather than getting too tired and fatigued by just filling you in on what Ryan has done, I'd rather let him speak for himself. But first and foremost, Ryan, how are you keeping today? Yeah, great to great to be chatting. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Um, yeah, all all good. Um, yeah, like we, or as I mentioned um, earlier, kind of the from a pandemic point of view or COVID point of view, things are, are definitely improving. So um, yeah, fingers crossed that life can return to some form of normal towards uh, the second half of this this year. But otherwise, yeah, all, all good. Thanks. Good to hear. Well, yeah, all things considered. And normally, I guess, guests to give a spew on their childhood education and all that. But seeing as your body of work is quite unique, the big thing that kind of got me thinking and questioning was like, what got you into, first of all, it probably started as running, but then ultimately building to marathons, ultra marathons. Like, was there a person? Was it not being good enough at another sport? So you said, listen, I'll give running a try. Or how did you end up saying, you know what, running's my thing? Yeah, I guess by accident is probably the, the quickest answer. But to, to kind of go into a bit more detail, um, growing up in, in South Africa, obviously kind of the main main sports here are, are kind of rugby and, and cricket. Um, I wasn't ever that good at cricket, um, but I really enjoyed rugby um, and did, did fairly well at a, at a school level, unfortunately, or fortunately, I kind of stopped, stopped growing in about standard, standard eight. So when I was about 15 or so, and, um, yeah, obviously again, kind of growing up in South Africa, rugby players are generally quite big. So I was getting bashed around quite a lot, um, played a bit of rugby at university, but I think after getting steamrolled a couple of times, I, I realized I needed to, to find, like a different a different sport or something new um and i guess growing up as a kid i've, I've always been a very outdoors person uh spent a lot of time at the beach surfing um but never never running to to be honest and it was only kind of last year at at university that i had some friends running at an out of town half marathon and um i always used to or it was an out of town half marathon but it was at a or like during a big kind of festival which is always like kind of a big a big party and I used to used to go there but I, I thought kind of being final year at, at university doing my honors that I decided like I probably needed to be a little bit more responsible and like at least have a reason to go and have a party so I decided to join them and do the half marathon but being a student I left it quit pretty late to to enter or do any training and I think it was like three three weeks out and I tried to enter the half marathon and entries were full so I thought kind of half marathon, full marathon, kind of same, same, being a bit naive and just entered the, the full marathon uh, being 42.2 Ks. And yeah, I guess to my surprise, my friend's surprise, finished the, the race um, and actually really enjoyed it. And and from there, one thing led to another. Growing up in Cape Town on the back slopes of, of Table Mountain, uh, came back back home and um, joined a local running club. And a lot, a lot of the guys are very into trail running and just kind of started spending more and more time on the trails, probably less time partying with my, with my mates. And, and before I knew it, um, I'd run one or two local trail races and I'd signed up for the, 
the Gobi Desert Race, which was, I guess, the start of my international career, start of my ultra career. And yeah, I trained really hard for, for that. I was hoping for, for a top 20, a top 10, but I never expected to to win it. So kind of being able to achieve that and, and win the Gobi Desert Race in 2010 definitely kind of, I guess, kick-started my career and made me yeah, I start to wonder if it was possible to do this as as a career. Um, I think being able to travel around the world, live some crazy adventures, definitely sounded a little bit more fun and exciting than than being a quantity surveyor at the at at the time. So that's yeah, I guess how I got into into the sport, and that's what fourteen, fifteen years later. So yeah, it's been it's been pretty kind of one crazy adventure, I guess. Like um, a lot of my friends from school and, and university or kind of university, I guess some of the guys saw me getting a little bit into running. But when I saw some of my schoolmates, like five years after I got into running, they were like, what the what the hell? Like you were the last guy that we would expect to mm-hmm. kind of get into to running. So, um, yeah, I guess you never you never know where, where kind of um, things are going to take you. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the rugby because one of the – the last guest I had on was Malcolm Marks, who I'm sure most of uh, the locals would know. Yes. Um, but with regards to your start there, you said you started kind of running some of the local events or even the marathons. Was there ever a stage where your head got turned back? So obviously you got the bug for it, you go, oh, the marathon or whatever. It was very enjoyable. But like, was it there and then you were saying, okay, I don't want to be a quantitative surveyor. I don't want to go down another boring route. Was that the definitive time where you were like, this is what I want to do going forward? Yeah, I think it was only actually after the the kind of, I wouldn't even say it was during the Gobi Desert Race. Um, That was like, so basically to kind of go back into the Gobi Desert Race, it's a a 250-kilometer self-supported event um, over seven days. So, you run an average um, about a marathon a day and then on the long stage you run anything from 80 to 100 kilometers and for me it was just kind of that that one event uh, that I was focusing on actually I think some of the final weeks of of training before leaving for the event I promised myself that I was going to throw my running shoes away once I once I got back from the Gobi Desert Race and as, as I said I did uh, much better than I expected but it's, it was quite weird because I definitely like that first marathon I, I ran, the Nizer Marathon and a couple of other events. I definitely kind of just winged it. Um, I can't say I was overly prepared or trained that hard. Whereas for the Gobi, I definitely put a lot into that. Probably kind of looking back now, some of the hardest training I'd ever, ever done. Um, and it was all about that one event. And I'd kind of dedicated six months of my, my life to that. I think it was either I was, I was e- either kind of working kind of eating or, or training that that's literally all I was I was doing um and yeah I, I guess I kind of got to that event kind of ticked the box and it was quite weird like we'd finished the event and I was on a massive high like I'd won the event I never expected that to happen in my wildest dreams and you were kind of on the bus um at various buses that took you back to kind of the main main town in China called Kashgar and it was like a three or four hour bus trip and yeah, you know, it was quite a weird feeling. Like as I said, that euphoria from kind of achieving your goal and kind of like even more than than I expected, but also this massive like emptiness. Like I'd spent six months of my life kind of devoted to to one specific goal, and now now it's over. Like what next? So 
I think it was after that that the running bug definitely bit. Um, it was, I think, only about a year later that I kind of went kind of fully professional and, and fully quit my, my job. So there was a bit of a, a transition um, period and kind of, yeah, I, I guess a period where, like, I had to think about things. Um, ultra running was in a very new sport. Um, it is still relatively new now. And, and to make a living off it, uh, like, initially was, was, was quite challenging and I had to take one a one or two risks, but it, it just took a bit of time to, to transition um, from kind of, yeah, doing it, I guess, like as an, as an amateur or not kind of needing to, to feed myself from, from the, the, the sport to kind of moving into and making it, it my, my career. And at that stage, you were saying that it took like a year and then you progressed and focused professionally on it. And that's what you put all your efforts towards. Like, was it purely yourself that was prepping for these events dealing with nutrition dealing with the training loads because as you said it was just at the start so were you kind of winging it or did you actually have outside help a trainer or a friend who knew the ins and outs of how to successfully run large yeah. distances no i think I've, I've been like really lucky that i've always had a had an amazing team around me and and, and supporting me and i think uh I always said for me, it's just like finding like-minded people that are as passionate as as me, um, like about like what I'm what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I, I was lucky to to have a great team. So I, I had a coach. Um, I did a lot of a lot of research about the events and upcoming events. But yeah, like coach was was great. Um, had like a physio, chiropractor, did some liner therapy. So I had a good like team, kind of I guess keeping. Um, everything kind of keeping my wheel alignment as such in 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 place um i was doing a lot of a lot of strength work um also going so i did the gobi desert first and then the second desert race i did was the sahara desert uh, and by then i'd linked up with professor tim noakes um, back or kind of he's a um, pretty well-known um, sports professor um and he really, really helped me. Um, I did some training before the Sahara Desert Race in an environmental chamber, which I guess the best way to describe it is like a single garage with a treadmill in where you can control the heat and humidity. So that would make it like really hot. And I think that definitely really helped me, really helped me prepare for, for the Sahara Desert Race, um, I th- um, like mentally and physically, um, kind of because the Sahara Desert Race was – kind of just after our winter in, in Cape Town. So it was relatively cold, not not perfect conditions to, to be training for a race where the temperatures are like 45 degrees um, on average um, a day. So, yeah, I, th- I think like having a strong team around me was really important. But like I said, I think the sport was relatively relatively new. So I almost kind of feel like I was going into this new world or this new job, but there was no like job description. Um, it wasn't like kind of cool. You study to, to yeah. be, become a quantity surveyor or an accountant or doctor. This was like, like kind of, you got it, you got to figure it out, out for yourself. So I think luckily um, kind of had one or two mentors early, early on in, in, in my career and someone like Dean Karnazes from the, from the U S um, really well-known ultra runner um, I met up with him in the Sahara Desert Race um, he, he ran there and also actually the Gobi Desert Race and he was just yeah kind of uh, gave me loads of of advice um, I think which which really really helped I think kind of 
something that always stands out is I remember after um, I won the Sahara Desert Race and I was trying to pick his brain about getting like sponsorships because like I was finding it quite frustrating because I was like I'm doing well in these events but it's, it's hard to get get sponsorships um, and he, he said something to me like really valuable he said like winning races is, is great but it's not going to necessarily get you sponsorships and um, it was something that that stuck with me and really made me think and I think like throughout my career it's been really important to to kind of really like look at the like the bigger picture it's like you're a professional athlete you need to train and do well in events but you also kind of need to be there for your sponsors you kind of need to like obviously social media is such a massive thing now it wasn't even that that big then but that like takes up a lot of time there's a lot of gear testing feedback um appearances doing speaking and stuff like that so it's it's definitely like a yeah like a, a bigger thing and i guess almost like seeing yourself as a, as a brand or a or a business which is which is really i think important and something i always try and like talk to to young up and coming um trail runners it's not just like all kind of young up and coming um guys especially in like the in individual sports like it's it's yeah it's it's not like just kind of eat train and sleep you you, you need to like do a lot a lot more um, and especially these days with social media becoming such a such a big big part of of things yeah no well said and you mentioned there like as in you built up on the strength training you mentioned your win with the sahara and the four four desert races i suppose it's nearly a double question but i'll just do it one at a time i don't want to confuse you too quickly here but say before you had your successes say around 2010 that's where some of your noticeable achievements took place. Before then, you obviously entered in several different races as well. You'd obviously had success. You've had disappointments in that. Was there a stage early on, and I know now you've been racing a very long time now and you're nearly heading towards the age of 40, which is an incredible feat, to be honest. I know age is just a number, you'd say, but was there a <laughs> was there a, was there a stage early on where it could have been a race, it could have been in prep, it could have been something non-race related where you failed or say there was an injury or there was a bad performance that really made you question. Because as you said, at this time you'd established yourself, you'd had a bit of success, you had a good team around you. In those early stages, was there ever a moment that really not so much made you question if you wanted to keep going, but maybe question your own ability, your own mental strength to you know, spend years at this sport and be a success? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, as, as I mentioned, kind of like that transition period from going to amateur to, to professional. I remember my, my first race, um, you know, it was like another another multi-stage race in, in Namibia and we started off in, in the Fish River Canyon. Um, and that was my first race as a, as a uh, professional. Um, again, I'd done, um, I'd won two... Um, big ultra races being the Gobi and the Sahara and there's a, there's a lot more kind of pressure and, and eyes on me and yeah I ended up coming coming second I'd like first day or two um had two really bad days and and I think it was more just like the mental pressure I'd put on myself and and there was definitely like it, it was the first time like I felt like I actually had like proper sponsors who believed in me and kind of I was the favorite going into the race and like kind of you feel like you gotta gotta win the race, new sponsors, and that that was definitely, as I say, look, looking back now, it's pretty stupid. Like I, I came came second, and it, it was a was a good race, but I definitely um, 
like back then, especially those, those first few days, uh, I definitely started to like question like, was this kind of what I wanted to do? And, and as you say, like, could I actually do it? Was I not maybe just a, I guess a one hit wonder or a two hit, hit, hit wonder. So yeah, I, I guess that was, uh, fairly early on in my career. And then, yeah, there've been a couple of times further down the career where I got glandular fever, uh, mononucleosis, um, which really set me back badly for a year and in ultra running like a big a big thing is overtraining syndrome and I guess that was kind of the early stages of mm. overtraining syndrome and it took me a long time to to bounce back and you definitely start to doubt yourself like can I actually run is this just kind of I've pushed my body and mind too many times um so there's yeah a period like like that as well I think that was in 2015 um so yeah, there definitely been a couple of of highs and lows, and as as you mentioned, the sad thing about um, our sport and, and ultra running is generally guys are actually getting a lot better now. But th- there was a period where guys would just kind of come onto the scene, kind of completely smash one or two races and break records, and then you kind of they just d- disappear. Um, and it's just because they were just doing like yeah. a crazy amount of training, just completely burnt themselves out over two years, over raced, and that was the end of, of of them so i've been lucky to as you say like kind of nearing my 40s now in in south africa um you'd refer to me as an as an old buddy um like an old dude um like i'm definitely getting <laughs> getting getting a bit older but um i think if you enjoy what you what you're doing kind of keep keep going i've also started like mixing things up and doing like some projects as well so race a little bit less and and again that's something i really i really enjoy like i think what got me into the sport uh and probably like the first race big ultra race i entered was the the gobi desert race which to me just seemed like this one epic adventure and and now um yeah i think i've kind of i've always enjoyed the the kind of adventure aspect of of trail running I'd say South Africa is a good place to explore the trails and get yeah. after it, so to speak. But with regards to, say, your training, and as you said there, like, say, the Gobi Desert, when you won that, like, it's not a case of a rugby team. You go out, you train for an hour, you work on different parts. It's not a case of you go to the gym with your personal trainer. He watches you do a few bench press. Like, at stages, you're running, like, crazy, crazy lengths, um, like, 50 kilometers even further than that at any one stage like how does one prep so to give like my take on it right the best feed i've ever done was actually recently did 100k in 24 hours i walked i didn't run because it uh it wouldn't do my body any good but after that i couldn't walk for two days i had about 20 blisters my knees were in bits couldn't really use them properly for a week or two and I was like, my God, I could only think of what the likes of Ryan and other athletes are going through. But like when you say race, a lot of people say if you're doing a basic marathon, they go, yeah, build it up, maybe do 10, 20, 25K and then just do the marathon. Is it similar process with you? Because you're doing such large distances. Like are you pretty much replicating the distances covered? Are you just set a pace or how does the training uh, workload look for you? Yeah, I think it it depends on like kind of what event I'm, I'm training for. And, and as you mentioned, like say you do a hundred Ks a week to prepare for a marathon. I definitely wouldn't say for a hundred mile, mile, a hundred miles, which would be four times the distance. I definitely wouldn't times the training by four and try to run 400 Ks a week. Um, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, and I found also like over the years, uh, like no, currently I've actually probably the last four years, I, I've actually dropped my mileage down quite a bit. I've kind of think I've figured out what kind of training works, works well. And I try and keep things more consistent. Whereas in my early years, I'd probably do like some much bigger kind of peaks and dropping down and, and peaks and, and dropping down. But I guess the best way to, to summarize is probably train, like run anything from 15 to 25 hours a, a week. Um, sometimes a little bit more if I'm doing like a really big block volume of, of training. And that, that can be anything from like, if I'm doing lots of vertical, it can be from like 100 kilometers to 250 kilometers um, in a week, depending on on the training and and like elevation gain it can range from 2000 meters to to kind of 12000 meters a week so i guess it it kind of all depends on the on the training and then obviously as as i mentioned do some some strength work and mobility work as well so definitely it keeps yeah it keeps me um busy but uh like i said i definitely feel like the last couple of years kind of a little bit less less volume uh, seems to work better for me and, and and for me again it's 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 about the longevity i think when i first got into the sport uh a couple of of the really good guys they, they had a thing where like kind of you had to run 200 mile weeks um if you're running 200 mile weeks kind of you were golden and and the guys did really well but then kind of as i said after two years they kind of completely faded away so i, I think it's 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 a combination so yeah, I'd, I'd say like currently, if I look at say my last couple of weeks, probably average kind of closer to fourteen, fifteen hour weeks. Like I don't don't have like yeah, I'm not, I'm not in like a big volume block of 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 training. And would you ever find yourself working short distance runs? Because like every time I go on social media, you see Strava scores of two k runs, four k runs, and obviously that would probably be seen as a a little stretch for you, but do you ever find yourself testing your three, four k distance, or even a quick time, being like, okay, I want to get X amount of time, or I want my heart rate at a certain level? Um, not like too much. It is. It's like I do definitely do some shorter in- intervals, um, as you say, kind of in in the one k range or kind of four hundred meters or something like that, but not not that often. Um, but there is like obviously during during lockdown and, and last year, um, with there being no races and stuff, and like with us having like kind of limited space to to run, that like definitely, um, so I didn't do too much of it. But like as you say, guys, we're starting to look at like kind of seeing how fast they could run a five k or a ten k, um, and yeah, it's, it's yeah, like I've actually. Uh, always wanted to like train like properly for a road marathon get a good like block of training in or like a 21k or a 10k but Mm -hmm. uh, i guess just with my my schedule and obviously my kind of bread and butter being kind of the ultra trail races i just haven't haven't got around to it but i I think it's cool to to mix it up um and i guess one of the cool things uh being a red bull athlete I've, i've gone to some like pretty cool um events like i've done uh red bull k3 which is um it was i think it was about 9.9 k's but you climb 3,000 meters up in italy so you get you get a thing in in trail running called a vertical k um so it's about climbing a vertical k a thousand meters and elevation gain so it's just kind of that like 
and generally the races range from kind of four to five kilometers where where this was like three vertical k so something like that is is like pretty different um i've done also the the red bull um 400 where you kind of run up a, a ski slope um and it's like a flat out sprint and and a couple of of um other things so i've i've, I've like enjoy like mixing it up um even like running some shorter events just to kind of for fun I, I, I kind of really enjoy that i think if i had to keep like doing the same thing day in and day out i'd definitely get get bored um as i said i've even done a couple of like adventure style races with mountain biking and a bit of paddling and stuff like that so from time to time it's definitely nice to to mix it up a little bit no i can imagine and as you were saying there like the the opportunities you've gotten from the travel experiences you've had, whether it's, as you said, running through deserts or jungles, Antarctica, you name it. And um, you've pretty much been there, got the t-shirt, blood, sweat and tears. But you said there like a big thing is not to be repetitive with your preparation or even just your mental prep. But a lot of people and a few questions were sent in. Like when people I hear even doing a basic marathon, they go, they hit the wall or they hit that stage where they're just like, this is just tedious. This is the same thing. My left, right, left, right. You go for such prolonged periods. Do you have like a mechanism where you just try divorce yourself from what is actually happening? Do you just think of the finish line? Do you just quite literally immediately think, I'm just focusing on now, left, right, left, right. Because I know when I did my walk, I was just thinking in the now. Because the one time I thought about the finish line when I was 38K, I pretty much broke down and hit that uh, metaphorical wall. But is there any methods or mental things you've trained yourself to kind of cope with the nature of the races you take part in? Yeah, I always try to break it like an event down into bite-sized chunks. I say it's a marathon literally break it down to to kind of say three i mean four 10.5k um stretches and then like within that just focus from getting i guess to one water table to to the next maybe they're two two kilometers apart just so it's more like mentally achievable um i think a lot of people say you're crazy how do you how can you wake up and run 100 miles and in one day and if i had to to think about that like if for me if i had to say like cool i'm running 100 miles there, i think like mentally it's too much but for me it's like cool let me just break it down into running four marathons and focus on getting through one marathon and then if the second marathon's going really badly kind of focus on just kind of getting to from one aid station to the next and things are going really really badly then it's like literally just get to the next tree and and just like i guess kind of breaking it down into into bite-sized chunks definitely um definitely helps and I, th I think the nice thing about trail running, and that's why um, I always say I've got huge respect for for the guys that do a lot of road running and, and they're racing on 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 the road. At least at least with trail running, you're kind of running in, in some pretty epic locations. It's always changing, as you mentioned. Like I've been lucky to run in places like the Amazon jungle, and you're kind of looking out, I guess, for snakes there, and kind of yeah, python taking your head off. There. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so I guess it, it kind of keeps it keeps it interesting um and i think that's definitely what's drawn me to trail running because obviously i guess that's like like from an event point of view i guess like if i'm in a race and i'm competitive like i can really just kind of push myself but i guess the hard part is is kind of doing that training day in and day out and you say going out there and doing the long long training runs on your own 
and and to be honest like if i had to do it on on the road yeah. i'd really struggle um but yeah i guess in the mountains um things are like amazing scenery things are changing uh your like rhythm's always different like if you're running uphill or downhill or the flats if it's technical non-technical so that's yeah that that's been pretty cool and i've also been lucky to to travel a lot um to go and like race abroad but also to do some training there so yeah i i kind of really love running in in new places and it's something i try and recommend to like a lot of guys trail runners i guess even guys like running on 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 the road it doesn't mean you got to go overseas to your training but sometimes it's nice just to kind of drive somewhere new and, and fresh and go do your run there it's just kind of maybe it's not doing a 5k loop through your local town it's the next door town and you get to see something new it's a slightly different stimulus and you kind of yeah it's, it's kind of quite quite rewarding to to be able to kind of mm. explore a new a new place on your own two feet and how does your body react to that and the thing is it's i'm not going to say one paintbrush paints everyone the same like everyone deals with races differently they deal with the heat differently cold wind etc but like did you have to prep differently if you're going to be running 45 degree heat does that mean you're going to need to be at a certain waist you need to be running at a certain time as opposed to maybe if you're in colder temperature or say if the jungle you'll be running slower but it'll be more terrain you'd be moving and ducking and climbing a bit more do you take all that into consideration or is it just i need to build up endurance that i can pretty much cope with whatever's thrown at me whether it's weather or even terrain no it's a good good question and definitely i think something that led to my early success and something I've always tried to focus on is, is trying to train race specific as, as possible, especially I guess the closer you get to an event, the more specific you want to, you want to train. So like you said, if it's, if it's a race with really hot conditions, like a desert race or the Western States hundred miler, uh, it's really kind of trying to focus your training in on that and uh, doing some heat training and trying to run midday when it's hotter running with a couple of extra layers of, of, of clothing on. I think that's important. Or also looking at the at the race and the kind of, I guess, the, the elevation, the profile of a race. Is it quite flat and fast and very runnable? Or is it kind of a lot of climbing? What do the climbs look like? Are they technical climbs? Is it like really kind of big climbs but runnable? And, and really trying to mimic those conditions. Or again, if it's at altitude, spending some time at, at altitude and, and acclimatizing. So, I think that's really important from a training point of view also to to kind of get uh, prep your like gear and stuff like if you're running in really cold conditions to to kind of think your gear through kind of visualize the race a bit think like kind of what kind of gear you're going to need use run through different scenarios so I think a, a lot of kind of preparation can be done and, and that can really help. Because um, I guess in an ultra, I always say like there's so many curveballs, so many kind of unexpected things. If there there are kind of some things that you can control, um, I think it's important to to try and figure those out and, and make sure that like things you can control don't 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 become variables during the the race. Yeah, well, as you said, those outside circumstance or variables, as you said, that you have no control of. It brings you back to that Netflix documentary. I don't know if you've seen it about the desert race where the guy ends up getting lost in a sandstorm yeah. and ends up having to eat loads of bats. I'm not saying that's the 
the places you've gone to, but has there ever been a time in a race where it could have been injury, it could have been weather, it could have been anything where a complete curveball came at you and you just had to deal with it? Was there ever an example where something that you never thought would happen happened and you kind of overcame it? Yeah, I think like, as I say, in most most ultras, you always get some form of, of, of curveball um, like that, like kind of maybe spraining ankle, like kind of I've touched wood, been quite lucky with major injuries, but I have sprained my ankles a number of times. So during a race, you kind of sprain an ankle and you're kind of hobbling along and you like flip as it's the end of of the race. Um <laughs> I think it was or 2018, my friend Rainer Crystal and I ran across the, the Himalayas, so kind of from the Tibetan border across to the, the Indian border of, of Nepal. Um, and there, there were constant curveballs. Uh, we got there, they had a really late winter, so we had to start in some pretty crazy and sketchy conditions. Um, to be honest, I don't know if we we're actually going to make it out of there in, in one piece. Uh, Rainer Crystal, who, who I did it with, he got really bad frostbite. Um, it was just like kind of one curveball after the next, uh, getting lost um, as well. Um, just because like the valleys there are, are so big, it's like you end up in the wrong valley. You, mm. you just go into the middle of nowhere. Um, also like plotted a lot of the routes and on, on maps and stuff and what we thought were villages by the time we actually got there because of the late winter there was actually nothing there so we had like no shelter no food for a couple of days like it yeah as, as you say it's like some proper curveballs which are kind of like a kind of life-threatening situations um but i guess with all of that you kind of have to try and stay as as calm as as possible and not over panic um at the time sometimes it's easier said than done even like i guess like some racing um things that have gone wrong like you kind of i don't know towards the second half of a race or you're running 100 mile and you get tired and you run out of an aid station and you haven't taken all the nutrition you're supposed to do and you kind of know of course like 30k is the next aid station it's going to take four hours and and you pretty much know you're going to hit the wall at, at some stage because you don't have enough enough nutrition so like i guess stupid things like that happen and you just have to try and kind of think on your on your feet i always say it's like the person that actually can kind of manage the the lows the best um as a person that ends up doing the best and i think it's within an ultra race or, or life in, in general i guess when things are going well and kind of you're high-fiving everyone it's it's kind of things things seem pretty good but it's i think it's when things go wrong and you kind of really have to figure things out is, is when you learn the most about yourself but also like when it's important to to really kind of stay calm and, and make and try and make the best of a of a bad situation mm. and i say you have to do that a lot where you got to make the best out of a bad situation and overcome things and when you say finish a a, a race like what type of effect so i don't want to keep harping on about my walk as if it's the best thing since sliced bread but like for instance that that's me walking that's me consecutively going for 23 hours i as i said couldn't really walk I lost like 3.8 kilograms, um, as I said, like had just huge joint pain. Like what's it like after, say, you complete the the Kobe Desert race? Like what does recovery look like? What are the short-term effects on your body? Does your weight drop off? Do you have like a thousand blisters? Like what does your body represent after one of these intense races? 
Yeah, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is you're super, super hungry. I think you eat a lot for kind of yeah. 10 days, two weeks afterwards. Um, just obviously your metabolism uh, really speeds up. And then like you mentioned, obviously, definitely for kind of the first five to five to seven days, you're extremely stiff and it's quite difficult to, to move. And then you start to ease up. But you still kind of got that deep-seated like fatigue um especially after 100k or 100 100 miler um it's weird like also like find like say if it's a shorter trail race like 20 or 30 k's you can race it hard and you wake up the next day being quite sore and 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 stiff but you you seem to like bounce back a bit quicker whereas with an ultra there's definitely that deep kind of seated fatigue as you say like sometimes kind of your feet are a bit of a mess with blisters and stuff like that um Luckily, like I tend to be okay with with my feet, but definitely, like yeah, just that kind of that like physical fatigue, but also just like you need to get a lot of sleep, a lot of a lot of rest. Uh, I guess a bit of like lack of motivation to to get out and 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 run. Um, so it definitely takes its its toll on you. Um, uh, but then also like I say, if if I look at a project like the Great Himalaya Trail, where Ren and I ran thousand six hundred k's with like. 80,000 uh, meters of elevation gain over 24 days. Uh, it was weird, like kind of got a bit sore and stiff initially and then you, your body just kind of adapts and you kind of get into it. And like I finished it actually physically feeling quite quite good. And I was like, uh, flip like it's going to be a great year of racing. I've got this massive training block in at altitude. And then just like mentally, just like two days after that, just everything crashed. Um, you just like, super super fatigued um and then like and then like a week or two later started getting like super like fatigued physically and, and just being really tired and it took me i think about six to, to nine months to kind of fully like overcome that so yeah I, I think you definitely have to respect your body a lot when it comes to like recovering from from ultras and yeah it's 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 a tricky thing and that's why i said what's i think led to a lot of like overtraining because generally guys that that kind of I suppose I'd run ultras and do endurance sports are fairly like headstrong, pretty motivated and determined and like setting themselves goals. So as I mentioned, like for me, like after the Gobi Desert race, like straight away I was like, cool, what next? Like I want to do something. And often you do well in an ultra and I was like, cool, what's the next one? And you kind of jump into training too quickly and then you do the next ultra, but you're a bit injured and kind of, training doesn't go as well you don't do as well in the race and it's like oh but i must actually just train harder for, for the next one and it's kind of ends up being like a kind of a vicious spiral where kind of you just um yeah kind of end up um overtraining yourself so yeah to to cut a long story short i think kind of like um yeah you really kind of have to look after yourself and and also there are times when I guess like I run a 100k race and I recover relatively well in the space of a week or 10 days and the other times where it's like after three weeks you're still kind of feeling flat and fatigued and yeah I guess just have to have to be kind to your body and like I've read in some of the races you've taken part in or even the challenges were like hallucinations uh, you were imagining helicopters overhead even though they weren't there and um, much to probably your own shock. Yeah. But, and then I've even read how people's eyes, if it's quite windy or cold, they can lose the protection, the like liquid layer. There's so many moving parts where your body can nearly attack itself and self-sabotage. Yeah. And one of the questions that was sent in 
and I, I know you've referred to both, but like, is there a preference for you? Would you rather say run in 45, 50 degree heat or very cold? Because I know the body adapts to both in different ways, but like, do you have a preference or do people on the circuit have a preference to hot or cold weather? I think it depends on the individuals. I would definitely say like I prefer running in the hotter conditions is definitely something that suited me. But again, I kind of find after winning Western States in 2017 when it was like really hot, um, I've kind of always battled a bit with heat since then. So um, again, doing some some kind of work with Professor Tim Noakes, I think there's a large mental element to things. And I don't know if just like, like mentally my body doesn't want to kind of be exposed to the like those kind of conditions again so i do find i I struggle um i think looking at kind of the european trail runners they'll definitely say cooler conditions um suit suit them um and i suppose a lot of kind of the american ultra runners would would probably be the same just because they're used to some some cooler conditions um or i guess kind of referring to american ultra runners I guess it depends with them, depending on, on where they are based. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of currently kind of starting to, to lean more towards kind of like running in cooler conditions. But I, I think if I had to choose, if, if you said think conditions are going to be cold, wet and minus 20 degrees or kind of really hot and, and kind of 40 degrees, I think I'd take hot and 40 degrees. I just feel more comfortable. Um, with those conditions and I know if it's a race generally um even I mentioned now like I seem to struggle more but I still feel like I'd be able to do do better than a, a lot of the guys just because I think I, I feel a lot more comfortable in those, those kind of conditions okay so when COVID ends we won't be seeing you coming over to Ireland to brave the wet windy <laughs> trails of Galway or somewhere um but, yeah um, never, never say say never <laughs> yeah well, I'll put you through your pace, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and just one of the last things just to talk about here, Ryan, is you've got your own book, Trailblazer, out. And I always find it fascinating when people who do, in most ordinary Joe's eyes, um, like magnificent things or push themselves beyond what a lot of people deem as possible or physically possible just to kind of summarize it yourself because a lot of people who will listen to this and even some of my friends as well whether they're runners whether they're mad into their hikes even some are mountaineers who have aspirations to climb Everest I'm not saying you'll run up Everest but it's similar mindsets there like what type of stuff would someone get out of reading your book from your experiences and the lessons you put into that yeah, so I think for for me, like writing a, a book was really cool to piece together my story. And and as I mentioned, I guess my journey hasn't been kind of that kind of straight down the line or, or kind of normal yeah. in terms of I didn't grow up wanting to to be an ultra ultra runner. Um, it was yeah, it was, it was never kind of um, like a goal of mine. So I, I think it's been like cool to tell my my story and show that like anything is 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 possible um if you're passionate about what you do and and kind of love what you do and 
I really try to aim the, the book or kind of um, Steve Smith who who kind of uh, or who ghost wrote it for me and, and we spent a lot of time together, really try to aim it not just at like a running audience as you say, make it um, or ideally hopefully like kind of guys from, from all, all spheres um, will read it. You don't have to be a sports person um, to, to get into it and, and really just kind of, I guess, yeah, show, show people that anything is possible. And then I've also got a number of takeouts in the book, which can be really specific to to kind of for running or to endurance sports. But then there are also a couple of more kind of general takeouts. So, yeah, I think it's it's been cool, like just kind of really kind of telling my my story, um, but kind of yeah, making it, it a bit like aimed at a at a wider audience. And yeah, hopefully hopefully can do uh, book number number two shortly. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Well, anyone who's interested in that, we'll leave it in the description. So have cool, a look thanks. if it interests you. And that's what I mean. The last thing I suppose just to ask you about, Ryan, and I know we referred to your age, but I don't think that really matters. Or people like Victor Matfield back in the rugby days, they wouldn't exactly be saying 39, 40 is the end of the road. But obviously with COVID, I'd imagine it's been somewhat frustrating because you haven't been able to you know, explore and go to international events. I even saw you did, you know, a hundred miles or could have been hundred K around your house, which yeah. was uh, crazy. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you have any ambitions? Because from even chatting to you here, it, it seems like there is still fire there. And as you said, as long as you still enjoy it and have passion for it, you'll keep running, keep doing things. Like, do you have any goals you want to achieve before you, properly take a step back i'm sure it's something you'll keep doing um for the majority of your life but really competitively really trying to win some big races is that still firmly on your mind or are you just now kind of just enjoying the moment taking it as it comes and seeing what's next no for sure like i think like as, as i mentioned i'm definitely like doing a lot more kind of adventure style fastest known time style projects but there are like a few races that, that kind of really appeal to me. Probably the big one is, is Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, um, which I've never seemed to to get right. So that's that, that, that that's a big goal of mine that I'd love to love to get uh, right. And then, as I said, there are definitely some some bigger projects I'm, I'm working on. So to to kind of combine the two is like kind of racing and and projects is is a big focus for me. And and as you said, I think it's just been like by doing that it keeps me passionate and and i feel like i've still got a got a couple of years left before kind of as you say taking a step back but i I guess i'm also like trying to set things up on the side that i could like that kind of i guess trail running is i I guess is more than just a sport for me i guess like it's become a, a way of life so setting setting up things that i can still be involved in the in the the sport um um, or when I say, yeah, kind of in, involved with, with, with trail running um, and not kind of have to continue um, kind of competing um, to, to be involved in the, in, in, in the sport. So, yeah, kind of working on a couple of exciting things. But like I said, the, the fire and the passion is, is still, still there. So, yeah, hopefully still, still got us a couple of good, good races uh, left in me. Good stuff. Well, that's good to hear. And just last thing, Ryan, how we finish these podcasts is we do a quick fire round. Now it's cool. nothing too crazy. Or there's no uh, court cases or anything that will be coming <laughs> down the line. And they're not too tricky. But yeah, there's just a few here that one or two sent in. 
and I came up with a few myself. So first thing that pops into your head, feel free to share with us. So one of the questions that was sent in was the toughest race you've ever done. The Lidville 100 Miler or Jungle Marathon. The best advice you'd give someone to get better at running. Have fun. Okay. Uh, your favorite film of all time? Favorite film? Uh, Snatch. Snatch. Good choice. Bit of Irish heritage in yeah, that. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> they'll like that. Um, if you had one song on repeat for a run, what would it be and why? Jeez, what's, that? what's the latest song by Justin Bieber? No, no, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, no, no, not, I'm not joking. A, I'm not <laughs> um, yeah, I listen. I listen to to the Kooks a lot, so I guess a couple of a couple of their, their, their songs. Okay. The dumbest advice you've ever received from someone in your line of work. The dumbest advice. Um, just don't 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 worry about chafe. Like not not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, debt taxes and chafing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think it was that 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 that, that same guy that got such such bad chafe. He actually um, had to use. Uh, duct tape between his between his butt cheeks uh, butt cheeks to stop that stop the chafe so it was wasn't a oh. wasn't a happy ending for him no that's not a hollywood ending if i've heard it and lastly ryan this is always the toughest one for guests is sum yourself up in three words i definitely say stubborn determined um and yeah stubborn stubborn de- determined and so say happy go lucky but that's not really uh, passionate Okay, well said. Well, listen, Ryan, I want to thank you on behalf of people who will listen to this. And I know it it took a while to get it organized, but I know we've both been busy. So it's great to finally get the opportunity to chat with you. I know I speak on... It's been really fun. I speak on behalf of absolutely everyone that we hope COVID ends pretty quickly. We hope uh, people can start exploring. And for your sake as well, you can start... uh, taking part in these international events and just even myself as i said i'm very intrigued to see what's down the road for you as you said it's not uh it's not uh time to close the curtain just yet in your career so i look forward to that and then also the projects and all the up and coming things as well i look forward to seeing as well awesome thanks so much and yeah it's been really fun no worries ryan well listen thanks again cool thanks